Next on BYU Sports Nation, par for the course. What is the definition of par as it relates to BYU football and basketball? College basketball insider Andy Katz on the return of Yoli Childs, Jake Toulson, and the first two months of Mark Pope. Plus, the Lazarus effect. Which injured returner for BYU football will have the greatest return impact? Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, back to work on a Monday. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy June 10th, wherever and however you're connected. Great to have you with us. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with Master of the Fake Laugh, Jerem Jordan. <laughs> That's hilarious, man. Uh, Clay Thompson appeared to f- uh, mock the Kawhi Leonard laugh, which I can't do very well. <laughs> Finals trolling at its best. Oh, Kawhi. We, we, we've we interviewed Kawhi. Like, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Jeff Chapman is known as having the largest hands in BYU sports history. <laughs> yeah, there it is. That's more like it. Um, Kawhi Leonard has the largest hands of any human I've ever met. It's crazy. He was in Jimmer's All-Stars. We broadcast that on BYU TV back in the day during the pre-NBA lockout, post-Jimmer uh, draft. Kawhi Leonard's the man. Uh, BYU got the best of Kawhi Leonard, except for the last game they played in the Mountain West Championship game. BYU had run out of gas. Jimmer had scored 52 against New Mexico. Woo! But just getting there and beating New Mexico and beating BYU twice in the regular season was great. But, yeah, it's fun to watch Kawhi. I'm, I'm rooting for him. Game five of the NBA Finals tonight. The Mm -hmm. Toronto Raptors, of all teams, can win their first NBA championship tonight. Someone complained this morning. They're like, man, it's it's unfair how injured they are. I'm like, you know that LeBron has dealt with this in most of the finals he played, where the first one against the Warriors, uh, Kevin Love is out for the whole series, uh, and then uh, Kyrie Irving is out for after game one or two, and it still goes six or what? It's like... This sorry, you only have how many All Stars and how many Finals MVPs and MVPs on the? Come on, I love all of the gifts and memes. It isn't even, no doubt, but it's part of the deal. I love all of the gifts and memes coming out about how it's not fun to be LeBron and carry a team. I think the best one I saw was from Remember the Titans when Denzel Washington's head coach character is asking Petey, it's not fun to carry a team on your back. It's zero fun, sir. Yeah, No, it's not. (laughs) That's that's what it's like to be LeBron. Except you don't look around and see Boogie Cousins and at least a somewhat good Clay Thompson and Andre Iguodala. Yeah. No, I get it. (laughs) Here's today's show lineup. NCAA.com insider and college basketball expert Andy Katz on the show. We're going to discuss everything from Yoli Childs and Jake Toulson to why Andy got turned down by the Deseret News. Yeah, believe it. Plus, Ed Eyestone just ran faster than he has in a long time, and it was in the stands. I'm glad he's healthy. He's back from the NCAA championships to discuss his team's overall performance. Hey, let's all run towards some BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU men's track and field finishes eighth overall at the NCAA Championships. National champion Clayton Young led the Cougars after dramatically winning the 10K. He followed that with a sixth-place finish in the 5K over the weekend. 
His buddy Connor Matz, top four finisher in the 10K, took seventh in the 5K. They scored a ton of points. In the steeplechase, Cougars placed four in the top 12, led by Matt Owens, who finished eighth. Clayson Shumway, 10th. Kenneth Rooks at 11. And Jacob Hessington in 12th. Talum Franco, 11th in his 1,500-meter final. And Ricky Fantroy Jr. finished 21st on the men's triple jump. The eighth-place finish for BYU, Jaron, marks the 24th time BYU has finished in the top 10. I didn't realize it was that many. That's impressive. Women's track and field finished in a tie for 25th. It's first top 25 finish since 2005. Brenna Porter, Erica Burke-Jarvis, Whitney Orton, and Anna Camp returned All-America status. Congratulations, ladies. Former BYU quarterback Tanner Mangum had a tryout for the XFL on Saturday in Houston. The league's scheduled to make its return in 2020 with eight teams competing over a 10-week season. I hope it lasts longer than the AAF. The over-under is four games. And Ben Patch led all scorers with 20 points in USA Volleyball's four-set win against Portugal. Next up, Argentina this Friday in France. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Welcome to U.S. Open Week. BYU golf alumnus Zach Blair will tee it up with the likes of Tiger Woods and honorary Cougar Tony Finau, two of the favorites at Pebble Beach, as they all compete in golf's next major. Par for the course will earn you some nice notoriety and some good coin at Pebble Beach. Jerem, with BYU basketball and football in mind, and par for the course as it pertains to the state of the program, what should be considered par for the Cougars in both football and basketball? We'll start with football. I think in football a couple of years ago it was eight. It's now seven. These schedules are a little harder. I would say probably since the Kalani Satake era began, the last three seasons, now four, those are the harder schedules. You're opening up with uh, three or four power fives. You're playing five uh, power fives in a season generally, those are tough. I would go with seven wins, uh, probably overall. You're a game above 500. Um, yeah, under par would be beating Utah, winning record versus the rivals. I want uh, to aim for a 10-win season and, one, and feel like that's possible. I don't even, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but it doesn't feel very possible uh, this season and the next couple of seasons. And that's hard, right? Because it's hard to get up for a season where you go, sweet, eight wins, baby, even nine. You got to go 10 plus to be uh, meaningfully, longfully relevant. Yeah, this is a moving target because of the increasingly difficult schedules for BYU football. And in relation to golf, there's a difference between playing at Beth Page Black and Pebble Beach compared to your local and municipal course. Yeah. Okay. The slope ratings are very different. I miss Cascade. So what is par for the course for BYU, given that they're playing on a Pebble Beach type course because the schedule is that much harder? I Just think play Jaren, the local course. It's seven regular season wins. Yes. If BYU was playing the local municipal course, all out what they did in the WAC and the Mountain West, then that score is going to look a little bit more impressive, right? Yeah, You'll see go, some going lower to get scores. Yeah, you're going to get noticed. Isn't but that the point? BYU is banking that maybe one of these days they'll shoot a low round oh, at a man. really hard course. That's a sound business model. Maybe one of these days. That moving target for me has <laughs> settled in on seven regular season wins this season. I think that would be a par 
win-loss record for BYU football. Seven regular season wins, and maybe that's a little bit hopeful because I want to see BYU make some improvement. They won six games in the regular season, but I think they've found their quarterback now. They have a bunch of guys coming back. There's continuity. This is year number four for Kalani Satake. I think seven regular season wins should be par. And at least one win against one of your rivals. Can we throw that into the mix? Yeah, and it's tough, too, because you look at those three, and all three of those last year were top 25-ish. BYU's got to birdie right? one of those holes, man. Yes, birdie one of them. And and we think the, the difference is Zach Wilson, right? And you hope that he can be the difference. I looked up some stats this morning. BYU was 11 points better per game with Zach, 110 total yards. They were scoring touchdowns uh, at nine plays uh, quicker than under Tanner Mangum as the starter. So certainly headed in that direction. BYU will open things up with a very difficult hole number one, relatively speaking, in how many days? The countdown to the youths. 80 days away. Now, occasionally we have to throw in the word away or days, right? It all, it's all about syllables when it comes to this, okay? We hope you're uh, participating at home, by the way. <laughs> I, w- I would love to get some videos from people of them participating. Singing along yeah, with us. that'd be fun. <laughs> now to topic two. What should be considered par for BYU basketball? Oh, man. Again, a moving target, but the juice is high, and I'm looking at the current roster, and I'm thinking 24 wins, Jerem. Oh, wow, that's 24 wins this season for You're Mark saying this Pope. season or generally? And probably generally moving okay. forward because I think BYU has the resources, recruiting, staff, facilities in place that they should expect to win a few more than 20 games each season. This is, should is be it higher least, in basketball or football in terms of those things? Uh, it's probably higher in basketball. I agree with you. I think the facility is in better shape in basketball. Probably higher in basketball. And I think 24 wins would put BYU on that bubble conversation for getting into the NCAA tournament, which is where I think they should be at a minimum every year. That's par, right? BYU did not play up to par for the past few seasons, Mm -hmm. given the talent that they had coming back, or so we thought. So I think that 24 wins is a good even number with the facilities in place, and especially this year. I think BYU might be good enough to – even win more games than that this year, but I'm, I'm sticking with 24 for now and moving forward. It's an interesting question, right? Is par of the NCAA tournament for men's basketball? Because we've sort of said, uh, hey, if they don't make the tourney, then it wasn't a successful season in that regard. Right. right. It's being in the conversation for me, the NCAA tournament well, conversation. That, that would be par. I, I, I think uh, that's where we're at. Yeah, that's where we're at. Because the last four years, our standard has lower, yes. lowered in yep. football and basketball. This is not where you want to be. There have been some, some poorer sales years, so our uh, goals with the sales and, and the business model are a little different, right? I think with basketball, it's still like 20-plus wins. I know that we're in a different era in terms of now that you play like 35 games instead of 26 to 30. Yeah. But I still think if you get 20-plus, you're like, okay, we're at, least, we're at least decent. But you're right. We've lowered the standard. If the standard goes back to what it was four or five years ago, it's NCAA tournament or bust. And with this group, that's what it is. Yes. But generally speaking, I'm with you. If you are winning a couple of games in the NIT – and you were bubblicious, and at least once every four years you're making the tourney. I think realistically you're probably aiming for two out of four. The team is aiming for four out of four, but we're talking about what from our vantage point. 
Um, that's probably where you're at because it's really hard to make the NCAA tournament now. Um, yes, there have it, been it's, some it's, uh, modifications to the yeah. equipment, if you will. Yes, it's it's a tournament with everybody, but they're not letting in the non-power six as easily. To, Regulations are tougher. To be a non-power six, it's the power five plus the Big East, and get in. You've got to be a top 30 team. You've got to be almost in the top 25. Like, you've got to be Valparaiso. You were the regular season champs. You're 26 and 5, and you lost the title game to the automatic qualifier. It's just harder now. What do you think, BYU Sports Nation? What's par for the course? Perhaps our stat of the day will sway your opinion. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU football is averaging 7.9 wins per season in football and 23.6 wins per season in basketball in the Independence and West Coast Conference eras, respectively. Interesting. And Cougar Stats just tweeted uh, a graph of if BYU has X amount of Power Fives, how many wins and how many losses do they have based on their history against Power Five opponents? So four Power Five opponents this year, right? The overall win-loss record, as predicted by this idea, eight wins. Okay. So eight wins in the regular season would be nice. I, I would take that. I'm not going to be, like, blue-goggled, crazy excited about eight wins in a season. But if one of those includes you, like, I'm, I'm not talking singular wins. Those are all exciting, right? I'm talking, like, big-picture season. Like, yay, eight. It's like, well, that's good. That's good. But do we want to be good? I thought we wanted to be great. On to topic three and staying with BYU football. The Cougars have a bunch of returners this year and a handful of key players coming off of significant injuries that shortened their seasons. Taking Zach Wilson out of the equation, which injured returner will implement the Lazarus effect, Jerem, and have the biggest impact on the upcoming season? Moroni Laulu Pututau. Uh, I am in this guy's corner. I've got a towel. It's soaked. I'm putting the mouthpiece in. I'm, I'm there, man. I love me some MLP. I think that he is very versatile. This is a former wide receiver, a former guy that could stretch the field. Now he's beefed up. He's a tight end. He didn't get a play two years ago. He played four games this last year. This guy's anxious. He's a senior. Um, the same sense of urgency that, that we have with Yoli Childs and Jake Toulson and TJ House with basketball, that's going to be the situation with guys like MLP and Zane Anderson and these seniors, right, that are excited and coming off injuries and want to make a lasting impression. And if they could somehow uh, put themselves in position to, you know, beat Utah and win eight, nine, crazy ten games, they'll be remembered for a while. Just beating Utah, this team will be remembered forever. And I think MLP is going to be a, a huge addition. No question. I think MLP will be the guy on offense. But speaking from an overall perspective, I'm going defensive side of the ball with Zane Anderson. Here's a guy that was not anticipating playing against this schedule. He is juiced to play Utah and Tennessee and USC and Washington and try and end his career unexpectedly later than uh, we all thought. On a bang, he might lead the team in tackles and takeaways for that matter. He's a dynamic defender. He can cover at that linebacker position. He's played safety, fast, strong, NFL potential. Zane Anderson will have a major impact on this BYU football team. And right now, I trust the defense a little bit more than I trust the offense because BYU doesn't have a go-to running back yet. And we're not sure who those playmakers other than Matt Bushman are going to be in terms of pass catchers. Maybe it's MLP, but I trust the defense a little bit more than the offense right now, led by the return of Zane Anderson. It's exciting because last year, uh, BYU loses Squally Canada kind of early. 
He's great against Wisconsin, but then he's just in and out. We don't really see much of him. Lopini Katoa, Matt Hadley switches positions. That was leaning on a freshman off a redshirt year, off a mission, right, and whatnot. Now you feel like, okay, we at least know who you are and perhaps what you're capable of, right? Defensively, BYU has been BYU's been a better defensive team than offensive, no doubt, yeah. in the Kalani Stuck year. In fact, BYU fired Ty Demmer after two years, and, and last year, when BYU threw the ball, uh, proved to be more effective as an offense. Remember, and, and we were talking about this, BYU, you forget, BYU trailed Western Michigan 10-7 at halftime. Trailed because they weren't throwing the rock. And then they scored 42 unanswered. Yes, they scored a lot of points because <laughs> they let Zach Wilson do his thing. And I, I think this offseason we're going to see Zach Wilson unleashed and it's going to be good. What if the BYU offense is way better than we think? I think we're kind of thinking in last year's mindset. So we're like, ah, seven wins, maybe eight. If Zach Wilson is really stinking good, BYU can push and get nine wins. I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. Is Zach Wilson the guy that showed up against Utah and Western Michigan in his last two starts or coming off of injury? Is there going to be a little bit of slow implementation and some struggles like sure. he's had against New Mexico State. I'm, yeah, that's the, the great question is how good is Zach Wilson? Uh, off an injury against Power 5 teams, right? He showed well against Boise State and Utah. BYU didn't finish the deal against both those teams. But I think BYU was in a way better spot than they would have been had they not gone that direction with Zach Wilson. We, here's what we collectively hope for, that Marone Laulu Pututau and Isaiah Kafusi and Zane Anderson and Zach Wilson and all the guys coming off injury have healthy seasons and can go out and just do their thing. Just compete. Yes. Just stay on the field. That's what we want more than anything. Question of the day. How many wins would you set as par for BYU football and basketball and why? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At the Casual Hippie. In on Twitter, BYU football, eight wins is par. Anything less is underachievement. BYU basketball, 20 wins is par. But really, BYU should be winning quite a bit more considering they are in the West Coast Conference. What Dave Rose did was outstanding. And I I think it's going to be hard to do given what BYU is probably going to need to do with the schedules to try and make the NCAA tournament. Winning 25 games is tremendous. But if BYU schedules really hard, and they're 21-10 and 10 going into the WCC tournament and go to the title game and lose to Gonzaga, and they're 23-11, and 11, they could be bubblicious that way. You probably need single-digit losses if you're BYU basketball. Then football, I like the eight idea, but what, I, I, like, I think eight's the minimum for a good team in college football. I don't think you're that good if you have seven or fewer wins. Regardless of schedule? Regardless of schedule, yeah. Because, well... Th- yeah, we sit up here and say the win total. What we're not telling you is, well, in S&P and Zagreb, we don't have a metric that really tells us what's going on outside of the top 25, which is an opinion poll. An opinion. So, so Condoleezza <laughs> Rice thinks BYU is the 22nd best team. Who cares? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, is, is it eight wins? I mean, that eight's a nice round number. Well, but... it's, it's winning two-thirds of your regular season games. That's sure. kind of the idea. But... How much Seven, it's like you want to give five, one about 500. How much give and take based on the difficulty of the schedule? There's nothing in football that, that, uh, war- that validates that. In basketball, there is. Football's behind. It's like a bunch of just old guys debating who's good or not. Like, it's one. That, that doesn't make any sense. Coming up, top 25 and top 10 finishes in track and field. Was that I Stone happy? But first, Andy Katz, college basketball insider, NCAA.com correspondent, joins us. Why did he rank Yoli Childs number two in the nation's small forwards preseason watch list. 
This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. We're eight days away, people, from BYU Football Media Day, Tuesday, June 18th. BYU TV and BYU Radio, full coverage all day. We'll have a two-hour show, many programs throughout the day. Join us June 18th. Live from Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play, I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Happy Monday, everyone. We now welcome in on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline, college basketball insider, expert, NCAA.com correspondent, Andy Katz. Andy, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. All right, thanks for having me, guys. Andy, I'm sure you can imagine that uh, collectively BYU Sports Nation, fans, coaches, staff, anybody who roots for BYU was thrilled to find out that Yoli Childs was returning to BYU, and that was unexpected. What kind of a difference do you expect Yoli to make for BYU basketball during his senior season? Well, I mean, first of all, very few players, let alone last, well, no one last season. Um, I can't remember a time someone ever had 31 three straight games. Um, He has the potential to be WCC Player of the Year and somewhere on an All-American list. I had him as my second-ranked, you know, power forward, small forward, whatever you want to call him. Uh, He's one of the best at his position. And I think that gives uh, Mark Pope the kind of anchor that he desperately needs in his first uh, go-round as head coach at BYU. What are some of those qualities of Yoli Childs that uh, made you feel like he's the second-best small forward in the country? Well, I think it's consistency. Uh, The fact that, you know, he can not just score, but he can board. He can alter shots. He's active. He was what shot over 50% last year, made over 70% of his free throws. You know, three-point numbers obviously could come up, uh, takes care of the basketball. I mean, he does a little bit of everything for them. Andy Katz with us on BYU Sports Nation talking about BYU basketball. You bring up Mark Pope. What do you think of his uh, two months of tenure as the head coach thus far? Well, look, I – Everyone knows the pool is not a deep pool when you have a coaching change at BYU. Uh, But the pool is rich with talent, and I would put him at the top of the list. I mean, the timing was right. He's got incredible enthusiasm and energy. And, you know, and I want to make sure that I want to make this clear. You know, Gabe Rose is of the highest character. Uh, He is an unbelievable human being, and I thought he did an outstanding job. But I think he would also say that there was a time when, you know, maybe they needed a fresh space. And you could make an argument that there are times when a program, you know, maybe gets a little stale if someone's been there for quite some time. And the one thing that, you know, that that I'm not saying Mark Pope has the answer for, but there was definitely some befuddling losses at times, um, you know, that were a little just questionable. I mean, the way sort of the season ended against San Diego obviously was troubling. Um, you know, early on, uh, you know, there were, there was just some blowout losses that were a little, just didn't make sense. And, you know, sometimes over the course of their WCC tenure, they would beat Gonzaga, which they had some great success at, especially in Spokane, uh, and then lose to the lower level of the league. And that's the kind of thing that, has to change if BYU is going to be a consistent presence 
in the top three and getting into the tournament. BYU brings back a lot of the pieces from a 19-win team that didn't make the NIT, but there's a lot of hope because of a new coaching staff and the addition of Jake Toulson, the WAC Player of the Year, at Utah Valley coming over as a grad transfer with Mark Pope. What kind of addition do you feel like Jake Toulson can be to this team this season? Well, look, I think BYU should be one of the four teams that are buying at the top. I mean, Gonzaga's the favorite. And then after that, I think it's St. Mary's, BYU, and the sleeper team, by the way, which those that are following the league know that they're not that much of a sleeper. But I would not dismiss Pepperdine. Uh, I think Pepperdine's going to really rise up and be a factor and finish maybe in that, in that fourth spot. But I think you could get a league where you get three teams in the tournament. And, I, you know, maybe four, we'll see. But I think Gonzaga, St. Mary's, and BYU should be right there to get in and adding someone like Tucson obviously adds the depth uh, that they need at BYU. Follow him at, at, at the Andy Cats on the Twitter machine. Andy, as we move forward in college basketball with the direction that scheduling and building an at-large resume is going, what's the best philosophy for BYU to get into the tournament with that at-large bid? Because if we're honestly speaking, Gonzaga is typically going to take that auto bid out of the WCC winning in Las Vegas. Well, but here's the thing with BYU. Uh, they have a following, as you know, uh, and if you were to take any other team in the league outside of Gonzaga and say, okay, can we do a home-and-home with? Can we br- put, bring them to a high-profile neutral court tournament? It's BYU. And so I don't think scheduling has been as much of a problem for them. Uh, it's... It, it goes back to a winning some of those games, but also not losing the bad games. That's been the problem. So like when you, even though it's a rivalry game, you know, losing Weber state this past season, losing at Illinois state. I mean, this past year played at Nevada to open the season, which at that time was probably top 10. They played against Houston, which, you know, had one loss the whole regular season, uh, played Utah state which ended up winning the Mountain West, in normal years, Utah would have been better. You, you know, UNLV would have been better. Uh, San Diego State would have been better. They did play Mississippi State, which was a team that was right on the cusp. Uh, you know, that on the preseason would certainly look like we we're going to definitely be an NCAA tournament team. So, um, you know, and ultimately did get in and lost in the first round of Liberty. So the schedule had games in there to get them in if they, you know, you know, even if they finished third, which they did in the WCC, but they didn't win the game they needed to win. BYU probably has to venture out and play more of these uh, true road games to get quad ones, you know, top 75, as we know. So it, as a non-Power 6 team, it feels like getting an at-large in, uh, as a team like that is becoming more difficult. And Dave Rose was hesitant, Andy, to go out and play uh, these teams out on the road at times, right? Last year he said, you know what? The philosophy has changed with the committee. I've got to go out and do this. So do you see Mark Pope uh, kind of going out and do this if BYU is going to be in an at-large position? Yes, and it would be great if we could get a game with Kentucky, um, you know, and go back to Kentucky. Uh, because BYU, I mean, now, now Kentucky's not going to return the game. But what BYU needs to do, and I think the whole league needs to do, is take advantage of some of their locations. For example, you could play a doubleheader in Salt Lake City uh, you could play one at the new Warriors building in San Francisco and have USF in, as part of that, maybe bring it to BYU. Um, you could do one in L.A., obviously, because you have Loyola down there. 
you know, could you do one at the Motor Center with Portland because Portland is there and Blaze. So those, cause those kind of teams like playing in pro arenas, neutral court. So try to set up things like that. I think the WCC also should be more aggressive in trying to figure out maybe some scheduling with the Big East, uh, which is a like-minded conference, which has the same amount of number of teams. So, you know, you could do some sort of challenge to help in scheduling in that regard. You know, dive into the Big 12, uh, which, you know, only has 10 teams. So look for matchups that would be advantageous advantageous to both schools. You don't have to do all the, you know, all the teams. Maybe you do the top four um, and, and try to go out and really, uh, you know, aggressively try to build those kind of schedules on a neutral court or uh, even if you have to go with a one-way on the road. Andy Katz, NCAA.com correspondent, college basketball insider on BYU Sports Nation. Andy, you've been covering this game a very long time. You're a savant. Uh, Just strictly stepping back and looking at the rule changes, the three-point line moving back to that international distance and the offensive shot clock impact on an offensive rebound, you don't get as much time. You get 20 seconds instead of a full 30. Why or why not are those changes a good thing for college basketball? Well, I like uniformity, and so having the college game and the international game match I think is important because a lot of the college players end up playing internationally uh, in FIBA. So, I mean, I think that's great. Uh, You know, I was glad they didn't mess with the lane because then it allows post players to still, uh, you know, be a factor inside. I think if they pushed it too wide, then you're going to take away your traditional post-up. Um, you know, the 20 reset, the 20 seconds after an offensive rebound, um, could speed things up, which is always good. And you want to make things a little bit more, you know, uh, uh, palatable for television, unlike some of the other sports that can take forever. So, and, you know, I, I, we'll see if the percentages drop, but I think that changes like that, uh, ultimately, I mean, we looked last year, we saw plenty of players like Carson Edwards from Purdue who were shooting beyond that line anyway. Yeah. So um, they're, they've been working. Like, so many guys want to, you know, they're taking shots like they're in the NBA. So to move it back two feet, I don't think will be that dramatic. Yeah, it won't affect my pickup either. I'm, I'm still going to shoot from that distance, Andy. It's not going to be an issue, you know? Well, no one's going to guard you. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Let's finish with this. We're always interested in how Gonzaga is, is shaping up. And I think as long as Mark Fuse is the guy in Spokane, this is Gonzaga's league, right, in the West Coast Conference. So do you anticipate that Gonzaga will continue to be as dominant as they have been? Because it feels like BYU came to the league, there was kind of a challenge there, and then uh, Gonzaga has become this top-five program in college basketball. Yeah, no, look, they're, they're the dominant team. Uh, they've got the most talent, but they've been beatable in the tournament with St. Mary's at home by BYU. So, uh, but I think it's good for the league. You want, because you're, if you're BYU, you're guaranteed that at least two of your league games, you'd like more, but at least two for sure are going to be quad one every year. So that's a guarantee for you uh, that other leagues can't say, you know, I mean, the A-10 can't always say that. The Mount West can't always say that. The, um, you know, Missouri Valley can't always say it. But I think in the WCC, you're guaranteed at least at least two league games will be quad, quad one. 
Andy, great stuff. We appreciate uh, the time and, and talking with you. And it's not often we get to talk to somebody that worked at the Albuquerque Journal in the early 90s and can appreciate BYU basketball from a very unique perspective. And, quick story, I actually interviewed but didn't get the job at the Desiree News. What? Oh, interesting. Yes. Right, who do I need to talk to, you, Andy? You could have been covering <laughs> BYU, man. <laughs> Uh, this would have been in, uh, somewhere in the mid-90s. <laughs> for for the, the beat writer spot? For a to, beat to writer? To cover BYU. To cover BYU. Come wow. on! Well, that's probably one of the greatest things that's happened to you, right? Did not get that <laughs> This is a true story. <laughs> I ended up, so instead of that happening, I ended up going to Fresno. There you go. The Fresno B, no less. Andy, yeah. great to talk I to you, man. Been a better ski- All I know is I would have been a better skier. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> You're always welcome in, uh, in Provo. We'd love to have you at the BYU Broadcasting Facility sometime as well. All right. Thank you. Andy Katz on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. He can ski on the slopes in Utah anytime he wants. I think he would have had a better shot at the job if he knew how to say the name of the paper. Not the Desiree I, news? I think that would have helped him. But, like I said, I, I think that was a good career move. <laughs> it worked out. ESPN, it went to ESPN. Big Ten great. Network. Yeah, he's doing just I fine. I think Jeff Call got the job instead. Jeff Call's been around for a long time. And Jeff's been there, what, like 23 years? My, my pseudo-relative with Mormon colonies ties. Uncle Jeff, I call I him. Forgot about yeah. That. Yeah. I forgot about We're that. Probably related, you know? It got weird. Coming up, a cougar gets a ring. A really expensive one. But first, what is considered par in wins for BYU football and BYU basketball? More of your responses in Voice of the Nation. This is BYU Sports Nation. Let's keep it rolling, BYU Sports Nation. Fake laughs and all. Today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU men's track and field takes eighth overall at the NCAA championships. Clayton Young was the star, won the 10K, followed that with a sixth-place finish in the 5K. Connor Mance, top four finisher in the 10K as well. He took seventh in the 5K. In the steeplechase, the Cougars had four in the top 12, led by Matt Owens, who finished eighth. Talon Franco placed 11th in the 1,500-meter final, and Ricky Fantroy Jr., 21st in the men's triple jump. Congratulations to all. The eighth-place finish for BYU as a team marks the 24th time the Cougars have finished in the top 10. The women's team finished in a tie for 25th, its first top 25 finish since 05. Brenna Porter, Erica Burke-Jarvis, Whitney Orton, and Anna Camp each earned All-America status. Former BYU quarterback Tanner Mangum just went through a tryout for the XFL on Saturday in Houston. The league scheduled to make its return in 2020 with eight teams competing over a 10-week season. Here's to outlasting the AAF. And Ben Patch led all scores with 20 points in USA Volleyball's four-set win against Portugal. Next up, Argentina, Friday in France. Our question of the day, how many wins would you set as par for BYU football and BYU basketball? It is... The week of the U.S. Open, so why not discuss things in golf terminology? Ed Ruth answers on Facebook. Nine football wins, including a bowl victory. 23 basketball wins, plus at least one in a postseason tournament, NIT or NCAA. Nine's a little high for me, given how tough the schedules are. I think 23 in basketball, yeah, it's great. Yeah, somewhere in that range. It's hard to know for... For hoops, in my opinion, because yeah, it's but I I like twenty three. You said twenty four, somewhere. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you're playing tougher courses. You're playing tougher schedules. You can't expect to shoot better scores. You and I were talking about this during a break. Uh, I don't want, as a golfer, to celebrate the course I played on more than how I played. And sometimes that's BYU football. We go, oh, look at the schedule, man. It's great. Look at the course I'm going to play on. Yeah, you're playing an amazing course. Let's talk about how we played more. Yes, and with major golf tournaments... They play over four days. Yes. So if you broke that BYU football schedule into four days, per se, the the season would become the first three games is day one, the next three, and so on and so forth. Yeah, and then the bowl game would be day four. Yes. Okay. Are you in the national conversation on Championship Sunday, on, it, on the, in the final round? In Independence in 2011, BYU was. That was it. Top 25 finish. But in 2014, BYU was 4-0. They were on Friday. Yeah. Uh, in the hunt, if you will. And BYU's not been on Saturday and Sunday in Independence. A lot of that has to do with how hard the beginning of the schedule is. Sure. I get that you want to play a challenging schedule. I'm just saying, can we be two games less challenging? Well, Nick Newman answers on Facebook and says, football at six wins as Um, par for the course. (sighs) Going 500, par? No, par is like decent, right? Like, it's quality, but it's not great. Basketball, 23 to 25 wins, which is more in line with what yeah. we think uh, yeah. they should I agree, be. I agree with that. Sure. And, and I know Nick. We went to middle school together. So What's Nick, up, Nick? Nick, one of those you're right, one of those you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you're one for in two. In this opinion-based discussion. <laughs> yeah, continue to weigh in on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Coming up, Peter Quest becomes the latest Team USA rep. How did he do it? The men's track and field team just took eighth place at Nationals. Ed Eyestone still healthy after that sprint through the bleachers. It's good to have him here, ready to roll. <laughs> this is BYU Sports Nation. Where is ankle? BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tune in June 18th for BYU Football Media Day. We'll have a two-hour BYU Sports Nation, interviews with coaches and players, among many other compelling and rich programming on BYU TV and BYU Radio, June 18th. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation with our second guest of the day. He is returning after watching his latest national champion win the 10K, Clayton Young. The coach's name is Ed Eyestone. He's a regular friend of the program. It's good to have you back. Hey, thanks. Great to be here, guys. We certainly had an exciting four days in Austin, Texas. But it's it's great to be here where when you walk outside, you don't melt. (laughs) Seriously, Uh, you're like buttered up there. Yes, yeah, exactly. That was ridiculous. That said, even in the heat and those brutal conditions – you watch Clayton Young win a national championship, and all of us, I think, were trying to emulate that sound from Isaac Wood. We just couldn't get to that <laughs> can we range. Hear, can we hear it again? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Isaac Wood. And a well-deserved yes! cheer from Isaac's part because uh, Clayton, uh, Connor McMillan, and Connor Matz just had a great, great 10,000 meters and finished very strong. You know, the 10,000, I often say, is the most exciting event in track and field. I kind of <laughs> say it joking because it can last 28, 29 minutes. But in this case, it was. Oh, so be- fun. Because we, we still had eight, nine, ten guys together going into that last lap and then to see uh, Clayton take off like he did. Uh, and sometimes he finishes really strong. Sometimes he looks like he's going to finish strong and then fades a little bit. And so for him to go like he did, he ran 55 seconds on his last 400 and was able to pull away from one of the wow. one of the uh, the Kenyans who was favored to to win the championship was very excited. And that's why Isaac Wood was screaming like a little girl. 
Okay, he screamed, but you ran. So we're gonna see. Yeah, and I was I was running like a fifty-eight year old, fifty-seven year old man there, Uh, and and I'm the only guy in the arena wearing Levi's for some reason. It's like ninety degrees, eighty-five percent humidity. I'm wearing Levi's, and then I'm 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 duking and jumping and and trying to get through to the finish line. Uh, And I'm uh, props to the cameraman too, for heaven's sakes, who's following me through all that. Yeah. And I think I mowed over one lady right there. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Worth it. I stepped on somebody's cell phone. Oops. <laughs> uh, but it was worth it. It was worth it. <laughs> what was the moment like once you finally got there, which it, feel, it feels like an eternity. You're going fast. But um, what was that moment like to have not one but three guys in the top four? I, what I said is, guys, get over here. I want a big sweaty hug. And they all ob- obliged, and it was fun. And, and a, a moment of relief, I think, on the part of, of them because they, they had worked hard. They had some of the top time. Times uh, going into the national meet, and it's tough when you have that target on your back and and know that there are other uh, guys that are going to be coming hard after you. Uh, but uh, just a kind of exultation there. Uh, There's Connor McMillan, uh, Clayton Young, and Connor Mance were were there as well. So the, a very fun way to start the meet off. Holy cow! Yeah, really exciting. In fact, uh, some of your team members I think broke a ceiling fan. They were so excited. <laughs> yes, I, in an yeah, I don't know. It's exactly what happened, and, and that's the sort of things that makes uh, coaching worthwhile to see your athletes uh, running well, performing well, and then seeing those athletes that didn't make the meet having their own watch party and going crazy and actually, be, uh, you know, I think uh, Zach Jacklin, who stands about six seven, I don't know if he broke it with his fist or with his head <laughs> as he was jumping up and down, but but b- good times, yeah. You spoke at a devotional in the Marriott Center, I believe, one time about your freshman year in Austin running the, was it 10K? Yeah, 10,000 meters, yeah. And you talked about how you passed out and it was wild. Same track? Same, well, um, same location. Same back, location. Back then, the track was inside the football stadium, and they gotcha. since built another but arena. But in Austin. So, in Austin, So Texas. you have some history there. Yeah, and the, and the guys were familiar with that history, and we tried to prepare as, as well as possible for those heat and, heat and humidity conditions. But, you know, it's been more Seattle than uh, summertime here in Provo. So uh, I'm just proud of the ways the guys were able to, to come through and not have to run like a horse and be dragged off the course. Uh, no one passed out. Like no, right. no one passed out, oh. fortunately, yeah. So I know that Austin became a location because Eugene, Oregon is being renovated and it's going to be amazing. Where else could you potentially hold this meet and and get uh, the type of results that all the teams are looking for? Well, I guess that's the big uh, that's the big debate. Sacramento uh, could do a good job, and they've hosted Olympic trials, and they've hold, hosted USA National. We ho- we've hosted the the NCAA championships a, a number of times here, but people are not that excited about coming to altitude to perform. At least the distance community is not. Although I think it would only be fair. I mean, if they drag us down to the heat and humidity of Austin, Texas, that we're not exactly accustomed to, then why not come up every few years uh, to Provo, Utah, to run? Let's acknowledge uh, what some of the ladies did as well. Oh, uh, Brenna Porter and and I believe was that the same track that she had the yeah. incident in where she stumbled. Yeah, yeah, that track and... that track's a little bit about re- redemption because yeah. at the prelims a few years ago she had that stumble on the first hurdle, went down, gashed her leg, got up, and that made big time news as she finished. And so she was able to come back on that same track and just execute pretty much a, a flawless race to end up fifth place. That was a, a great race for her. And Erica Brooke Jarvis, one of the all time. You know, Erica probably could have run safely 
for second place. Um, the, the young lady who won it from Boise State um, is, is by and far the best uh, woman in the field. And when she pulled away with a lap to go, Erica was the only one that said, no, I'm, I'm going to go after that. And so she, uh, she, and she was doing a great job. She was securely in second place. But as a result of that, I think she uh, was a little fatigued, had a little technique problem on the last water jump, caught a toe and went down um, and, and was able to, to rally and still get fifth place. But, uh, but yeah, a great race for her. And again, I think had she run just a safe race, uh, may, maybe would have ended up in second place. But that's not what it's about. I mean, when you have these athletes that uh, have these huge goals and realize that that is a possibility to win a national championship, then why not go for broke? I mean, no guts, no glory. And I, th- I think she had a, an amazing race, Erica Burke. This era in cross country and uh, middle distance and long distance has been pretty incredible. Are, are these some of the most special groups in BYU history we're seeing here? Well, yeah. I mean, I, a lot of the talk on the message boards were, is this the best distance group ever? The fact that we had, uh, that we finished one, uh, three, four in the 10,000 meters. Uh, and then we had uh, four men in the in the final of the steeplechase and somebody in the final of 1500 and then uh, I, coach taylor did a great job in terms of having people in the final of the 15 the 800 and the the steeplechase as well and to score first team all americans with erica burke and and whitney uh orton and um and uh, Anna Camp was was just just great. So yeah, things are rolling well. Uh, we're going to continue to build on that. Obviously, you told us last time you came in here before you went to the NCAA championships. The next step for the men's team specifically was finishing in the top ten. You did that. Yeah. So now what's the next step? Well, you know what? We came so close to being top four. You know, <laughs> that was a goal, but our stretch goal really was a top four, and we really came within probably, uh, you know, just one or two little better performances when you're only five points out of that. So obviously we're losing amazing athletes like uh, like Clayton Young to graduation. He'll be running professionally. But uh, I think we have guys in the system that are going to step up. Every year you kind of see that. And so, uh, so I you make the top 10 top eight then obviously your next stretch goal is you want to make that podium spot just as we've done in cross country we want to do that in track and field as well and it just shows you the importance of setting goals if you come to into my office now you'll see on the whiteboard as where as a as a as a staff last august we put down the goals for the year the goals were top 25 men top 25 women indoor and outdoor um Top, uh, what was the yeah top and uh, to win the MPSF uh, on the men's side, mm. we accomplished that. The, the women ended up tied for twenty fifth point place. You know, amazing what happens when you set goals, you believe in them, and then the coaching staff buys in and the athletes buy in. You accomplish those goals, and so now we got to erase that whiteboard and maybe set those goals a little bit higher and see how high we can raise the tide this next year. We need to do that with football then. The goal is eight, but the stretch goal is stretch ten. Goal. Yeah, you got ten wins. Let's we, go. we need a stretch goal. Stretch goal. Yeah, the goal well, and I, the stretch goal. Doesn't that make sense though? Yes. Because no, then, I, I mean, sometimes if you set the stretch goal as your only goal, then you really you, you, you have it, you, you have some it. fear. You yeah. have some fear involved. Sure. You don't want fear, so you set a good goal that is is going to be a healthy goal. But then you have a stretch goal out there that you you, you don't fear, but you realize you you can do it if everything falls into place. Uh, no, that makes sense. Like Fantastic, it. Ed. Congratulations again on another exciting Great season. season. 
season. You. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. It's awesome. good to take a couple days off before cross-country starts, uh, and we'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You'll see the boys running around and girls uh, running yeah, on vacation. Take yeah. that beautiful yeah. wife yeah. of yours somewhere and, and enjoy we're the We're going to go down to uh, oh, it's South America. We're going to go down to South America and see the eclipse that's Whoa. Up in Santiago, Chile. Oh, so, there exciting. You go. Enjoy. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Coming up, Peter Quest becomes the latest Team USA rep. How did he do? And we have a World Cup day, Jerem. It's back. This is BYU Sports Nation. Shout out to today's guests, Andy Katz, NCAABasketball.com insider, and Ed Stone coach of the number eight BYU men's track and field team and the number 25 BYU women's track and field team. Shows on demand via the podcast and the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around track and field. Men's team took eighth as mentioned at the NCAA championships. Clayton Young won the 10K, took sixth in the 5K. Connor Mance also took seventh in the 5K. BYU had four Cougars in the top 12 in the steeplechase. This is the 40th time BYU's finished in the top 25. And the 24th time the team's finished in the top 10. It's good to be ranked. Women's track and field claimed a 25th ranking and finish at the NCAA championships over the weekend. Brenna Porter, Erica Burke Jarvis, Whitney Orton, and Anna Camp, each earning all-American status. Football. Tanner Mangum tried out for the XFL on Saturday in Houston. The league's scheduled to make its return in 2020 with an eight-team roster competing over a 10-week season. Volleyball. Ben Patch, still good. Led all scorers with 20 points in the USA men's volleyball four-set win over Portugal. Team takes on Argentina on Friday. Golf. Let's clap for golf, not just Cougars in the field. All right. Peter Quest won two of a possible four points in his matches at the Arnold Palmer Cup. Rumor has it he did not consume a nominal part. (laughs) Quest and Team USA fell to the international squad, 33.5 to 26.5. Back to you. Soccer. Here we go, Jerem. It's back. Haven't heard this music in a year. Team BYU Sports Nation in the Women's World Cup, a.k.a. the Netherlands, take on the football ferns in the FIFA Women's World Cup today at 9 Eastern. Is it today or tomorrow? It's today, I guess. Tomorrow is our first team, which is Team United USA. States tomorrow. Okay. That's okay. All right. America's we, we've first. got some Come stuff. On. Let's Come go, on. Netherlands. Is the sign still up there? I don't know where the sign is. there. Somewhere. Yeah, there it is. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> Today's rise and shout-outs. For me, Jeremy, I'm giving it to Justin Bieber, who okay. on Twitter called out Tom Cruise, saying he wants to fight the famous actor in the octagon and said, can UFC's Dana White set it up? Yeah, pay-per-view. I have a prelim of a UFC. Justin Bieber and Tom Cruise. Mine goes to Kyle Van Noy. He got a Super Bowl ring. Thank goodness he was uh, traded from Detroit. His life has been so much better. Two Super Bowl rings. Yes. Awesome. Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mount Resort celebrating 50 years. Par for BYU football and basketball. Ames, Flames answers football. Seven wins in the regular season for hoops. 20-plus wins. I think those are good answers. Started Dennis Pitta. We ran out of time. Holmes. For Jerem, I'm Spencer. Shout out to McKelly Aramia. 80 days to football. See you tomorrow at noon Eastern on BYU Sports Nation.